Thank you so much for tuning in to the Spiro Avenue Show. You could follow us on social media at Spiro Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch our full episodes and clips and highlights on YouTube. And we would appreciate it if you could hit that subscribe button for us. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Jim Harbaugh is planning on signing with the Minnesota Vikings. Harbaugh to the Vikings, it's a done deal. He ain't flying in there if it's not close to a done deal, I'll tell you this. And if the Vikings are interviewing him for a second time, that there clearly is mutual interest. Jim Harbaugh went up uh, to Minnesota with the expectation that he was going to get an offer. Something seemed to have gone wrong around 3 o'clock. Things took things kind of soured. Jim Harbaugh's going back to Michigan. Let's start with this. Jim Harbaugh is staying at Michigan. Oh, you thought Jim Harbaugh was going to get that job. Yeah, apparently so did Jim Harbaugh. I just think it's very, very weird. And all I have to say about this is I knew it all along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it the whole time. I knew it the whole time. Well, I did not know it the whole time. <laughs> Maybe Rich Eisen did, whether he's being facetious or not, as I suspect he was. Welcome back to the Spiro Avenue Show. Happy to have you. It's been a very sad 13 days off away from you. It is an active construction site around here. It's going to continue to be active. I'm actually dusting off my microphone like five seconds before we went live here. We got powder all over the place. It's looking uh, not that kind. It's getting a little <laughs> dicey around here. Uh, but we're back, and we're going to work through the construction, and I'm looking forward to it. And I always have this sort of uh, tug-of-war uh, thing going on with Michigan, Michigan State. So I, I tend to have two or three guests in a row on one side, and I start hearing from the other that uh, they're underrepresented, and we need, we need to balance it out. So we've been in sort of Spartan land the last couple episodes, so we're going to bring it back in. And let's face it, the University of Michigan – is the star of the show this week, not just in this room, on this show, but really on the national front, as we just saw, dignitaries from across the land, all eyeballs on the University of Michigan and their coaching search situation, whatever you want to call it, finally is now resolved. And speaking to dignitaries on a grand scale, we brought one in, probably I could argue, from the administrative side, the ultimate dignitary <laughs> for the University of Michigan. It is a, a longtime friend of mine and oh, a friend before he became a big deal, Jordan Acker, who is the chair of the Board of Regents at the University of Michigan. Welcome. Isn't that wild, man? It's great to great to be here. I feel like I'm really walking into the lion's den, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you you're know, the snake man. Before we before we get started, I just gotta tell you a quick campaign story. So one, the night that I was scheduled to long time ago to speak at the when when I was running for the Board of Regents to the uh, Lansing area Democrats, and it was the night after Michigan beat Michigan State in basketball. And I got my you know I got my Michigan you know shirt on, and I just held the mic there and just smiled at these people. The only time I've ever been booed at a Democratic club was uh, they uh, weren't having it. They were not happy about it. But you know what? We won the game. It's it's funny. Like I don't even <laughs> want to see that stuff. Like after a loss. It's a, my my brother is uh is really good basketball player. I didn't get the genes. I've actually played with you. You know, I don't. I didn't. Yeah, get, I didn't yeah, get that gene. Yeah, he's actually really I, good. Yeah. So he's a state alum too. And if he loses, like or not he, if Michigan State loses a big game, basketball, football, or whatever, like that next Saturday, he'll wear his like high school jersey, you know, his high school colors. Like he doesn't even want to like look at Michigan State. It's even worse looking at like Michigan stuff. So oh, I believe it. Yeah. I don't blame those people. So. 
there's a lot going on in yeah. Ann Arbor, a, yeah. a town that you are, uh, I don't know what, the king of now or something? Uh, well, a prince something. It's I, not a pauper. Yeah, sir, sir, sir. Whatever I want to be. <laughs> you got a lot of pull there. You got a lot of bangdatism. So we were, I think, in this studio a lot like people around the country. And I don't know yeah. where you landed. Maybe we'll get there in a second. But yeah. We thought Harbaugh to Minnesota just in that half day or day was pretty much done. I mean, Ben, Ben, you want to throw up your graphic? I feel bad. You, he made this. Oh my he, god! I didn't even have to ask him to do it. Ben oh did that. my! We, I mean, for the audio listeners, tough shit. But oh, it's wow. a beautiful Photoshop of Jim Harbaugh in, in Vikings gear. We were ready to talk about it. We were gonna bring. We knew you were coming on at some point after the decision one oh, or the other. Oh my god! So we had this graphic ready for you to discuss who's next in Ann Arbor and uh, Harbaugh's career. In Minnesota, didn't happen. Right. So before, and believe me, this mic will be 95% yours once we get through this, but I got to set this up. Sure. So Mike Valenti, who, you know, is notorious in your I'm familiar with his work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, just yeah. not you individually. I mean, the University yeah. of Michigan fan base generally. Oh, yes. Generally yes. not a yeah. fan. Yeah, yeah. So he, he broke this down in, in his own Spartan Mike terms, and we'll start there. This is what Mike Flanny had to say throughout the course of this week in this courtship. So here's the, the straight truth as we know it here. It's what Rico and I said all along. Nobody wanted your coach. See, it's not an issue of, well, let's be passive aggressive and ask a bunch of questions. There's not a lot of questions here. Jim Harbaugh does not want to be the coach at Michigan, and Michigan does not want him to be the coach at Michigan. But you're in it together for the kids. You're the busted marriage. The wife complains to your wife. The husband complains to your husband. And they both tell you the same thing. They don't love each other no more. But we're in it until the kids graduate high school. So that's plenty. Oh, that's something. That's, so his position to summarize is basically uh, Harbaugh, nobody wants a guy. You guys don't want him. NFL doesn't want this guy. He's just he's he's the biggest you know, schluz on the planet. Nobody yeah. nobody even likes the guy. That's it was take. interesting right after the season he had, but whatever. That's the Valenti take. So flipping over to ESPN, Damian Woody, former Lion, famously gave his thoughts on this fallout after it came out that the Vikings thing fell through and he would not, in fact, be going to Minnesota. We'll we'll go there and then we're going to get into the Jordan Acker take. All right. I am surprised, considering the 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 um, the, the status of Jim Harbaugh, um, the relationship he had with the uh, new general manager in Minnesota, um, the resume that Jim Harbaugh has um, in the National Football League. I am a little surprised. Um, I, I, listen, I think that Jim Harbaugh really embarrassed himself in this situation. He really did because going there with the assumption that he was going to get the job, and now. He has to turn around and go back to Michigan. And he went to interview on National Signing Day. So think about that. Think about the ammunition that he's given, whether it's Ryan Day at Ohio State and other coaches around, around the country, as far as Jim, Hall's, him, Jim Harbaugh is concerned, as far as recruiting. That's going to be a killer. Okay, so that's the woody take. I, I, you know what? I changed my mind. One more piece. Oh, man. And all then, right, all right. Because right. I, I was going to do this later, but I want to do it now. <laughs> we snuck this in late. This, I think this puts a button on the whole the setup here. All right, all right. Mitch Album, who I am sure is getting crushed on 97.1 by the aforementioned Mike Filani as we speak. I'm not listening. Yeah. I haven't listened, but I'm sure. He comes out with this article today. Now, the reason I want to bring this in now 
this is sort of a different take from what Valenti's take is and Damian Woody's take. So this was Mitch Album in an article that was posted in the Detroit Free Press all of about four hours ago for the people watching live. Quote, somewhere in the interview process, Harbaugh got a sinking feeling. There wasn't an equal match of enthusiasm from Minnesota. And for a man whose catchphrase is, quote, an enthusiasm unknown to mankind, well, that stuff matters. Harbaugh made phone calls to the important people in his life, telling them his decision was made. He was a Michigan man for the foreseeable future. That's Mitch Album. Now it's your turn to star. We have a disconnect here, Jordan. Yeah. We have nobody wants the guy. Uh, this is embarrassing. This is detrimental to the program. And then we have the Mitch Album take where he got there and he didn't feel it from them. He didn't, he didn't feel Minnesota. And then he wouldn't call Michigan. What the hell happened here? Just take it, take it over. I'll turn my mic off. Yeah, I, you know, so I, w- I want to start at the beginning with, with Coach Harbaugh. So things that people got to understand about Coach Harbaugh is he's wired differently than literally everybody else in the world. He might be wired differently than his brother, differently than his dad. I mean, he is just a unique guy. Um, and that's what gives him the fire to be a great football coach. I mean, you could say what you want and these guys say whatever they want, but the guys won everywhere. He does, you know, did it take a little longer at Michigan than probably he expected? Yeah, it did, but he did it. You know, he went out and smoked Ohio state. In fact, a lot of people could say that Ohio state was lucky to even be in that football game, considering just how dominating Michigan was on the ground that day. So he goes out there, he wins a big 10 championship. They go to the, to the playoff. It's where most Michigan fans, I think, expected the team to be. Right. And so I look at it this way. The guy's won at every level that he's been at. He's won at college. He's won in the pros. He's won, you know, he, he won when he was, when he was, was he playing for the Colts still? And he was like helping his dad out on the side at Western Kentucky. I mean, it emanates off him. It, he wins. The guy wins everywhere. There's a method to whatever he does and it works. So you got to look at it from, from his perspective. I don't blame him for it. He's 58 years old. You know, he, he's accomplished almost everything in the sport that he set out to accomplish as a coach. And he's thinking about a Super Bowl ring. You know, I can't blame the guy. I really can't. Um, he turns around, um, and what I don't know what happened in that interview. I, I, you know, I know as much as you do. What I can tell you is, um, he. It was clear that something wasn't right there. Whether it was what Mitchell, what he said to Mitchell, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. But you know, I, I think the, I think the one thing that people have to remember is the league has changed a lot since 2014. Um, it's not an, you know, it's not as, it's not like it was easy when he was in San Francisco, but it is hit it. The game has changed. The players have changed. Um, in Ann Arbor, he gets to be the King, right? He gets to have this, this fiefdom. He gets to be, um, the big man on campus as it were. Um, and he's at the end of the day, he's part of our family, right? And he gets love here that he's not going to get anywhere else. Um, whether it's from, his boss, whether it's, you know, Ward Manuel, whether it's from his boss's boss's boss, like me, you know, he's not going to feel that anywhere else. Um, and so, you know, what I can say is, is that the end of the day, it seemed to me, um, you know, and, and Jim and I haven't spoken, we've texted a bit, but I can't, I, I get that sense from him that, you know, leaving home is, is hard. 
right? To go to a place where the situation might not be perfect. It might not be everything you want to do. It's the only place colder than Michigan, by the way. I mean, I think it was like 14 below when he was up there. And, you know, to me, it just seemed like I got the sense from from texting back and forth that it was just not the right place for him. And this was. And for me, that's enough. You know, we just won the Big Ten championship. He's going to go out and try to defend the, the title next year. A great recruiting class. And I expect him and his staff are going to keep doing that um, because ultimately the guy wins. The guy wins. And you, you, can't, you can't really, at the end of the day, fault a guy in his position who wins football games, graduates players. That's what he's done. That's what he did at Stanford. I forgot about Stanford. I mean, talk about a place where it's you know hard to get players in. He was able to do it at Stanford. He's able to do it at Michigan. Did it for the 49ers. And I think he's going to keep doing it at Michigan because I, I do at the end of the day, I think he loves this place more than anywhere else on earth. I really do. Um, and I think that that weighs heavy on him and and his decisions and why uh, why he's back. Um, you know, I think that it's easy for Michigan fans, and I've been hearing from some of them to say, oh, you know, he's a traitor. He's not one of us now. You you know what exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah. You've been seeing it on Twitter, too. It's and just ridiculous. I, look, look, you can't fault a guy for wanting to to explore the possibility of we're going for a Super Bowl ring. Right, you just can't. I didn't fault Mel Tucker for maybe looking at LSU, which we don't know that he did. But no, I, I don't blame a guy for you know get your money. So yeah, even and he was here for ten seconds. Harbaugh right. has more than earned the right to leave in terms of timeline. Sure, and and after this season, if he decided he wanted to take some time and figure out what he wanted to do, that's okay with me. And you know, to toward Manuel's credit, it was okay with him too. Um, you know, he's a as anyone in our athletic department will tell you, he's a great boss, and he's a great boss because. He's not just thinking about what's right for Michigan, although he is always thinking about what's right for Michigan. He's also thinking about what's right for his employees, whether they're, you know, the head coach of of the football team or whether they're a volunteer assistant in an Olympic sport. He's thinking about them uh, from a staff perspective. He does the same for our student athletes, too. Um, And I think that's a very rare quality, quite frankly, in an athletic director. Doesn't cut corners. um, And he did it here. Um, you know, he gave he gave his head coach a chance to figure out what he wanted to do next. And, you know, a couple nights ago, he just he called and said, Lord, I'm I'm all in. I'm so, all in. That's that's an amazing thing to have happen. Do you get the sense? I mean, I I, I don't want to put it into your mouth sure. you know, with the, the words like into your mouth here. But <laughs> I, from what I'm pulling out of you, what yeah. I think is there. Basically, you're going the anti Valenti take where. It wasn't right for him. It wasn't that I'm dying for this Minnesota job. Please, can I have the offer? And they just didn't make him an offer. Is that am I reading you correctly? I, I don't. I think Valenti is wrong on this. At the end of the day, I think I think it's not just you know, him though. That the general perception sh- is sure that sure. that they told him no. You disagree with that? Uh, you know, it's hard for me to you know to speculate on what happened in that room. But That's all that your I, feel though, my feel. feel my feel is yeah. that uh, it was some of both. Um, that you know, that at the end of the day, uh, the connection wasn't there, right, on both sides. And I think that's, you know, you have to have that. You have to have everybody paddling in the same direction. And I, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, Jim found that Michigan was the place where people were paddling in the same direction as him in a way that they probably wouldn't have been in, in Minnesota. Um, you know, it, and now at this point, um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing him, you know, retire here, quite frankly. 
I think your your takeaway without because we don't know nobody knows except right. the people in the room. Yep. I think your takeaway, your theory, whatever is is fair. I will say you know albums characterization of you know now I am paraphrasing, but we put the actual quote up yep. there. Uh, you know, Harbaugh looked at them and they didn't have the same enthusiasm he did. And you know, he it's his standard. It's album painted it like he did want it, and he looked at them and they were like they weren't worthy of Jim Harbaugh. I, that that was the read that a lot of people had on that. I think that's kind of asinine too. I think you do have not you a segment uh, of your fan base that's kind of like. Oh, he told them though. I think if I'm going to buy one theory, I kind of land where you land, where it wasn't a great fit. Like they just didn't mesh right. well. If that makes you, sense, you know, it's like the way I look at it is like you got to go when you go to a job interview and you're interviewing for something new. Um, you can't just want the job, and the interviewer can't just want you. You've got to see how's this work in the long term. How how do we end up in a relationship that that makes sense for both of us? And at the end of the day, if you don't see it, you don't see it, right? And and speculating on which side of the table saw it 51% and 49% is almost meaningless. They clearly both did. And at the end of the day, you know, I, you know, I wish the Vikings luck with their new coach and I'm, I couldn't be happier that Jim is coming back. I really couldn't be. Do you, do you buy into the Damian Woody clip that we played that it was going, he used the term embarrassing uh, embarrassed. The exchange with Minnesota was embarrassing. It was going to be greatly damaging that Harbaugh has to come back tail between the legs was sort of the idea. I mean, not to say we think that necessarily, but that that's what Damien Woody thinks. Is there any damage there coming back to these guys with the perception of you wanted them, they did not make you an offer? Because the report is out there, Minnesota did not offer him a contract. Whatever we think yeah, of the optics, yep. that's what people are going to read. He went sure. there, they did not offer him a deal. He didn't turn down an offer. That's a key distinction. Yeah. Is there any difficulty for him, in your view, coming back, looking at these staff, staffers in the eye, players right. in the eye? Is there any problem there? Yeah, I think that I think here's the thing about Jim Harbaugh it, that people don't understand is that Jim Harbaugh doesn't do anything 85%, right? Is that in this month when he was supposedly, you know, out there begging for NFL offers, the guy was working his tail off for you of them. His staff was out there, you know, recruiting all throughout the, the country over the last month. And, you know, I think that there might be a day, but he, at the end of the day, no. I think that he's going to come back and he's going to be uh, enthusiastic in spring ball. I think he's going to be ready for summer and ready to defend the Big Ten championship next year. I, I think that at the end of the day, look, <laughs> I mean, Bo Schembechler was not a uh, uh, passive participant in the recruiting of, uh, to Texas A&M in 1978 either. Right. But you don't hear any Michigan fans talking about that, do you? Uh, except I guess we just talked about it right here. But, you know, for the that most part, it doesn't come up. As, there's no Twitter back then. though. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. But at the end of yep. the day, at the end of the day, he thought seriously about another big offer. They made him a big time offer for that time. And he decided at the end of the day he wanted to stay in Michigan. Now, could it all, oh, you know, Bo Schembechler embarrass Michigan by interviewing with Texas a and I guess you're right. There's no Twitter. There's no 24 hour ESPN talking yeah. heads all day long, but it's nonsense to me. It really is because at the end of the day, he's a professional and I know that he's going to give everything for this program because at the end of the day, he loves Michigan, 
You know, even if he had gone to the Vikings, that never crossed my mind that he he doesn't love this place. He doesn't love this school. He doesn't love his student athletes, his coaches. Yeah. I never, ever got that impression from him at all. And I think that's important that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's Ward's job. It's my job and, and the board's job and, and President uh, Coleman's job, you know, to to be the boss. But at the, at the end of the day, he's an employee making a, an employment decision for himself. And, and I think. Uh, I'm happy that he uh, he decided that Michigan was the best place for him. And I think our fans are going to find that, too, over the next few months. Yeah, I, I definitely don't question his affection for the program or his work ethic. So I'm with you on all that. I think the key distinction between him and, and Bo with the example you cited was Bo turned down a lucrative offer. So if anything, Bo can come back to Ann Arbor having uh, had turned down this massive offer and said, look, I'm taking less money to be with you. That buys credibility, if anything, not forfeits or sells it. This is a little bit different. This well, Jim did to- do that last year, to be fair. Okay, but we're talking right now. Yeah. So right now, he's going back. He, he was in Minnesota. He's in Minneapolis. Yeah. He's back here now. It's a little different from Bo saying, hey, I'm back. I turned down their money to come back to you versus, hey, I'm back. It didn't work out. They didn't make an offer. So, hey, how's it going? I'm just, I'm just saying. I, I see it's what a little different. I, I see what you're saying, but I would tell you, uh, as John U. Bacon has reminded me many, many times, and reading his Twitter posts, uh, that Bo was not a passive participant in that process. That he, he, you know, say whatever you want. That he was offered the job, but Bo went out and sought that offer too. So it's it's not as as I'm quoting Bacon a lot tonight, but it's uh, it's not always so black and white. There's a there's a little shade of gray here. And at the end of the day, it's 2022. Things are a lot different than they were in 1978. And for me, um, wanting to explore and see whether you can, you know, whether you can compete at the at the professional ranks is not an embarrassment for a coach. You know, that's just how it is. That's how the game is played now. And, you know, Michigan's going to adapt to it. And ultimately, um, I think our program's going to be better off with Jim Harbaugh coming back, period. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Your fan base was very split on this. It's interesting that you say that because I agree with you. Uh, I was almost to a fault pro Harbaugh. I was not afraid of Rich Rod. I laughed at Brady Hoke. Like I, but I'm an objective guy. I'm biased, but I, I tend yeah, to. Yeah, you're that. real objective. No, no. I'm when, looking around the studio and there's I like Spartan knives on the wall. <laughs> a Leonidas replica. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah. no, I try to be objective when it comes to the risk assessment of sure. my enemy, for lack yeah, of a better term, yeah. because it doesn't do Michigan State any good to underestimate foes. I, I think right. that's actually kind of what you guys have been really good at for the last 15 years. Yeah. And that's, I think, has hurt you in the football rivalry. A different story, different day. But I'm with you on this, where this Harbaugh, this like mystery door number two, If they were going to get Matt Rule, which there were some whispers that he was he missed college or whatever, something okay, like maybe I I would actually, if I were a Michigan fan, would probably even prefer Matt Rule, younger, more progressive in that area. But for the most part, I think door number two, any viable door number two, was a lot less appealing than Jim Harbaugh for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. The guy has won consistently. Has he been a disappointment from a seven-year view of Michigan? I probably I would expect it a little bit more. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think honestly, I think saying he's a disappointment it does kind of a disservice in this respect. In this respect, I'll tell you why. Yeah. Because Ohio State has been on a unbelievable run over the last 20 years. I mean, perhaps the greatest 20-year stretch in Big 10 history of any school 
Right. And so they've gone out, you know, Ryan Day. And it's so funny that they're all we're so disappointed with Ryan Day. The guys went 20 out of 21 Big Ten games. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, make fun of them all the time. He's like 34 and two and they're it, pissed. It's, like, cr- it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And so, you know, you know, of course, would you like to beat Michigan State more? Sure. Would you like to beat Notre Dame more? Sure. Would you definitely like to beat Mich- Ohio State more? Absolutely. But we have to put it in context that. You know, the game's a lot harder than it was in the 1980s where you've got three real games a year, right? I mean, the, the lowering of scholarship limits, the nationalization of television rights has totally changed it. And it's a lot harder to win at Michigan now than it was in 1985, right? It just is. Um, and I think that given those parameters and given all of the things that Jim had to go through, I think, um, I, you know... I think at the end of the day, his record is very good and very comparable to the best years of Lloyd Carr, the best years of Bo Schembechler. I know people have Bo Schembechler didn't want to win a lot of bowl games either, but at the end of the day, you know, I think he's performed up to historic standards. Would I like to see him win more Big Ten championships before he retires? Of course. Who wouldn't? I'm sure Jim Harbaugh would tell you he'd want to see us win more Big Ten championships before he retires. Um, but I think that calling him a disappointment just overstates a little bit. And the other part is, yeah. is your team has also had a phenomenal stretch over the last well, few years. That's too. part of the answer, though. It's part of why I frame it as disappointment. For one, I think their habit of moving to the goalposts, I can't speak for you individually, but for your fan base, the people that I've been exposed to, and I know what I said when you guys yeah. hired Harbaugh. Oh, shit, they're going to win national titles. I, I, The tweet's still out there. Someone could po- verify this. I said they were going to win plural, multiple national titles with Jim Harbaugh as the head coach at University of Michigan. Now it's like, oh, he's restored it to Lloyd Carr. That was not what we were sold. That's not what I thought would happen. And Michigan State, from the institution of the Big Ten title game in 2011, went to, what, three title games in five years, winning two? Harbaugh has been here seven and has been and won one. So if Michigan State, with smaller resources, lesser tradition, lesser of a, a brand, can go three times in five years and you've been once in seven, that to me is a disappointment. I'm sorry, but I, I mean it's I, an objective measure 60 miles away from you. It's yeah. done better with less. I, I I'm calling that a disappointment. I, you know, we can we can disagree on it, but I, I think that um I, you know, I, I I think that it's fair to say that we'd like to go to more Big Ten championship games, yeah. right? I think it's fair to say we'd like to beat Ohio State more. But I don't think there's anybody, including in the football building, who would disagree with you on that one. Um but I, you know, I would also, um, you know, I, I also just the the things that are uh, have really changed over the last few years, and this is more of a conversation about college football in general. But the changing of NIL has been a massive overnight change. The night the way recruiting is done has changed significantly, um, and frankly, the ability. You know, one of the things that I, I was talking about. Um, uh, with a, a guy who was writing a book uh, about uh, college football this year is about how demographic change has actually har- hurt Michigan too. That you know you have this belt of of towns from Youngstown to Toledo, which you know for for most of the 20th century, if you go look at the Michigan All Americans, most of them come from somewhere between Youngstown and Toledo. Um, you know, there's some from Michigan, but that was really like the football belt that that provided Michigan football, and as uh, that area of Mich- of Ohio has lost population. Um, 
that means there's, you know, less kids growing up Michigan fans in Northern Ohio makes it harder to recruit. You know, it's kids in Cincinnati and, 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 uh, in, uh, in Columbus don't grow up Michigan fans. That's for sure. Whereas in Toledo, it's like a 50, 50 town. So, you know, I, I think it's, I, I, I give a little more slack maybe than some of our fans do, but only in the respect that it's just harder to win now. It just is. It's just harder to do it than it was in the 90s or in the 1980s or 70s or 60s. We didn't have as much competition. Now, this is where you're going to really help me. I'm glad you brought in NIL. Mm -hmm. So, look, I I know what Michigan State's doing. I've brought in people that are working on that aspect. (laughs) I'm pretty intimately familiar with the Michigan State side. The Michigan State fan, which I am obviously layman take on the University of Michigan's approach or specifically in regards to football, I'm not speaking to, I don't yeah. know about other programs, is that you guys are not really into it, essentially, for lack of a better term, that it's not been embraced. You guys are behind the times a little bit, like you got a, a slow jump on it. I have no idea if this is true. This is like what the, the Red yeah. Cedar message board thinks. Yeah. Like, oh, there's a real I, real source of knowledge. That I'm not purporting that. <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is the Michigan State Twitter sort of perception. I'm not weighing in because I don't know. I, yeah. I have no idea if that's true. Yeah. The perception is, and, you know, the aforementioned Valeni has made remarks. Yeah. Rico Beard has said you guys are behind. I have no idea. Like, do you feel that you guys are kind of a, where you should be there, ahead, behind, where do you land there? Well, it's it's a great question. So, you know, I think that at the end of the day, um, we have to do more, right? I think that we have a, we have a, a 20,000 pound gorilla, which is our brand, right? It's a national brand. It's almost, there's maybe four or five schools in the country that can touch us when it comes to the power of our brand nationally. But with that power comes the responsibility of not selling it to, you know, anybody anybody out there, right? So Michigan has been more cautious, sure. Um, but I think that as it gets started and, and you know, we have, we know this in Michigan, um, there's the NIL law in Michigan is far more restrictive than it is in other states. Um, it doesn't come into effect until uh, less than a year from now in December, but it, it makes it much more difficult uh, for the schools to be involved in NIL opportunities. With that said, I think that as we start, as we've started to move in that direction, I, I liken it to a to a train that just slowly starts chugging, and once it starts, it's not going to stop. And we're we're yes, are we um, are we where I would like to be compared to you know some of these other schools? No, but I think we're headed in that direction. And once we get started, uh, and once we get to full speed, it's going to be really hard to stop. Um, just because the power of our brand is incredible. You know, um, thinking about this college football season, of the five highest rated games this year, four of them involved the University of Michigan. Four of them, right? Think about that. They're not watching to go see, I'm sorry, Justin, they're not watching to go see Michigan State or, or Iowa or whoever. They like to see the Block M and they like to see Michigan. There's no disputing that. And, you know, that's a reason why Fox pays all that money to make sure that the Michigan-Ohio State game is on their network every year. It's because th- this brand is huge. And um, I think maximizing it is something that the university is going to do. I think it's just going to take a little bit of time to do it. Um, and I, you know, I expect us to continue heading in the right direction uh, when it comes to NIL and being more creative about it too. You know, I think that's the one of the biggest things that we need to do as an institution is maximize some of our internal um, our internal resources. You know, we have this incredible law school, we have this incredible business school with 
tons of creative people. How do we maximize that, not just for the brand of each individual athlete, student athlete, but also for the university as a whole? And I think we're we're gonna we're getting there. You know, I've been ha- you know really really happy with the work that Ward Manual's been doing on this. Um, but I think we all recognize that we have uh, a little ways to go in order to be where we want to be. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. I mean, Michigan State has really leveraged our strength with journalism, digital media, advertising. That's where we excel. Where you know our programs are ranked like even higher than Michigan's. We're kind of pulling from our student body. Yep. And we have we have 17 student interns creating graphics and stuff right. like that. So it's a big thing. And I think you guys can catch up. I'll defend Michigan on this. One of the I, I had forgotten, but it, you jarred my memory or jogged my memory. The use of the brand and image. You guys have been criticized for being so restrictive of not letting athletes use the the logo. Isn't it a bad thing to have the University of Michigan logo, fight song, colors, whatever, helmet in like a flashlight commercial or something? I I get kind of like. Well, I didn't expect you to go there, Justin. I I just first thing that came to my head. But like, you don't want. That's the first thing that came to your head? I was was actually going to say weed, but it's Ann Arbor. That would. (laughs) Oh, no, that's legal here. Yeah, you guys would actually actually be fine with flashlights legal too. But I'm saying I was going to use marijuana as the example. But that would have been a bad example because you'd be like, "Oh, it's a problem there." Like you guys right. were, you guys thought weed was cool fifty years ago. Like, yeah, we've been having hash bash for a long time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. so that that would have been my second thought was the flashlight because that was a famous sponsor of Joe Rogan. That's actually why I landed there. But yeah, I actually, yeah. I'll defend Michigan there, where it's like, not that any other you know brand is nothing, but you don't want Michigan associated with something kind of ridiculous. Look, right? I, yeah, I mean, it's one thing to say, and I, you know that. You know, the Michigan plus the, you know, the M with the Jordan logo or the Nike logo or even some of our other big sponsors, you know, Meyer, you know, iconic regional or national brands is one thing. Right. And I think that's something that we have to think about and consider. But, you know, when you're, you know, you're talking about a 300 year old institution with, you know, that goes back before the invention of the state. Right. And you're talking about an athlete that's 18, 19, 20 years old. Or you're talking about a region too. It's the same thing. You know, we have to be really careful and we're, we're not only are we um, out there to, you know, to make sure that our, our student athletes can compete and all that, but we're also keepers of this flame, right? And the flame is, is the, the brand of the university and it goes long beyond us. So, it, you know, we have to think about in a world where gambling is legal in, in our state, you know, we, do we want to have gambling ads? You know, for me, I would say no. You know, I don't know if I want our logo associated with gambling. You know, I, there are certain websites and blogs and the product you mentioned, you know, that I wouldn't want Mich- <laughs> Michigan associated with, right? Um, so I think it's a balancing act at the end of the day that you have to keep the the power of the brand while moving it forward. It's not easy. And, you know, it's easy for some schools to say, well, we're going to throw a pot of money and we're going to guarantee – athlete X is going to make this amount of money. But does that usually work out? Well, we don't know yet, to be honest with you. It's been pretty messy in the first year of this thing. It's early, but there were some bad ones. I mean, there were some yeah. bad ones. The kid, the, the Ohio State quarterback that transferred that freshman, what's his game? The, the mullet The kid guy. who graduated a, a year earlier from school. Yeah, the mullet school, guy. Right? Yeah, yeah, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. But the mullet guy that just transferred to Texas. What's his name? Yeah, uh, yours. Yes, yeah. I think you went to Texas, right? But like they paid that guy. Some Ohio State like booster paid him. And yeah. It's like, how's that guy feel? Like, yeah, well, it's, and it's, the thing about it is, is that the question becomes: Is the kid going to the right school for the right reasons? 
right? Everybody picks their school, whether you're a student athlete, whether you're, whether you're a, a student, based on usually what you want to study, but also your earning potential, right? I mean, it's the same thing why, you know, I, I use this as an example all the time, is why students pick our school of musical theater and dance, right? If that's what their talent is in theater and singing, if they want to go to Broadway and they come to Michigan, they know our schools give them a great shot to do that. Right. It's the same thing with student athletes, too. So you don't want to be in a situation where, a, you know, a school is able to just buy off kids and say, well, you know, you're coming to, even though you won't get the same level of education, support, you know, whatever is degree. You, you got to be really careful about that. And I think that's a reasonable place for Michigan to be cautious on because of the, the impact. I mean, this is the Wild West right now. Um, I expect in the next couple of years, there'll be federal legislation about this and it'll be standardized across the states. But let's be clear, the rules are very different. Even across our conference, things are really different because of the states that people compete in. And so I think that people just have to be really ca careful as this sort of, I, I call it an NIL bubble, because I just don't think it's going to last that long. Um, first off, there's not a lot of student athletes that are worth the kind of money just being thrown around. But second of all, I think the student athletes that are going to be that are going to be able to do this well in the long term are the are the creative types. Right? I mean, are the guys who can create great content on Instagram and parlay their football or basketball or, you know, really the Olympic sports, there's a huge huge market for this um that hasn't been tapped as much yet as I think it will be. Um but you have to look at these places and say um how those students at the end of the day are going to be the ones that are really the most successful with it in the long term. They're not getting a million bucks from a car dealership, right? But when they got 50,000 Instagram followers and every kid in the dorms in Ann Arbor sees, mm, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm just using Pizza House as an example because I'm, you know, it's one that our, our schools share yes. um, that I know that, you know, students at Michigan and Michigan State check their Instagram feeds between 7 and 10 o'clock, and that's prime pizza house ordering time, right? And I know I'm going to make sure that there's an ad on that, uh, that that kid post during that time, right? And it's not just come eat pizza house. It's something creative and something that gets people to share it with their friends. Those are the kids who are going to be successful at this in the long term, and I think that's ultimately a good thing for everyone. And, Instead of just this sort of Wild West, guys are getting paid like we have right now. So my, my best friend in the whole world is a University of Michigan alum. So I'm, I'm predisposed to dislike Michigan in so many ways, but I also do respect. That's tough, man. I, I respect the institution. Thank you. And, and it's, it's an incredible school. I always said, I hope my kids go to Michigan State, but if they got into Michigan and wanted to go, I'd be happy to write the check. I respect University of Michigan. Snow Buckeyes. Uh, no, I'd be fine with Ohio State. That'd be no. a fun place to visit. I'll go, ta <laughs> I'll go tailgate down there. I'm going to be like the 45-year-old the trying to be cool at the, the college tailgate. But, oh, God. So, uh, hold on. So here we go. Here's, here's where I'm concerned, though, for you guys. Yeah. Respect aside, if I were the paid objective advisor to University of Michigan Athletics, heaven forbid, and I, I'm really trying to give you good advice. So Spartan hat off, just yeah, neutral. I do have concerns about some of what you're saying regarding, uh, not that it was bad, but it's the wild, wild west. People are doing whatever they want over here. And you want to be kind of, to use the social network, gentlemen of Harvard, you know, we, right. we're going to protect the brand. Sanctimonious has a negative 
connotation. I don't mean it like that, but just you have a, a sort of esteem for your brand protecting it. Even if that's the right way to go, if everyone around you is being a renegade cowboy, do you have a concern that that mentality, which is shared by so many up there, could be a detriment to success on the field? No. And, and part of the reason why is because we have to think about NIL, not just in a one-year term or two-year term. We have to think about what it looks like five or 10 years from now. right? And like I said, I don't think these schools are being able to keep up this kind of not the money, but the sort of promises that they're making, because it's easy to make a promise to a student athlete today. And we've seen it. You know, you hear about it. I hear about it. That school X is promising X amount of money if player Y comes to this. Yeah, Bill Self's been doing it for years. Uh, <laughs> no comment. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, when that class graduates and that those student athletes realize the money didn't come through, the career opportunities didn't come through. How is that a long-term plan for that school? What, are you just going to bring in a new coach to make the same promises four or five years from now? I think we have to think about it at U of M from a long-term perspective. And the long-term perspective is how do we make NIL work for us as an institution and our student-athletes for the next 5, 10, 15 years? Um, because it's a longer-term process. You know, I don't think Michigan is afraid, and I don't think we should be afraid uh, of dipping our toe, toe even more into this water. I think it's where it's going um, you know, Michigan actually has a, uh, a long history of this. I didn't know this until I actually read a, the Supreme Court uh, Elston decision uh, where the first, uh, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, renegade athlete, I guess if you want to use it, was Fielding Yost. When he, oh. was, uh, when he was going to Penn, he was paid, I think, to go play at West Virginia. Um, this is the only time I'll bring up an opinion written by Neil Gorsuch in a, in an interview, by the way. Um, but, but I, I didn't know that, but the, the amazing thing is, is that, um, you know, we can do this and we can do this in a way that protects our brand and protects our identity. Um, uh, we just have to be thoughtful about it is all. Um, and I don't think we should say, oh, we're, you know, we're, uh, you know, high on our hog, you know, we're not going to get involved in this because in the, the day, this NIL, as I understand it, help schools like Michigan, like Notre Dame, right? Schools that have huge fan bases, huge TV followings, huge followings everywhere in the country. Um, because look, I, I'm, I'm not willing and I'm not going to ever look at dropping our academic standards. You know, Michigan is Michigan, just like Notre Dame is Notre Dame, Stanford, Stanford. And that's how it's going to be. But this is the great equalizer is our brand. Um, and I expect over the next one, two, five years that we're really going to take advantage of that in a, in a really, uh, really strong way. Yeah, you do have to strike the balance of like we're being measured and thinking big picture. And also, are we being too rigid, too slow? And we're planning for three years and then suddenly we're five and seven and we're getting steamrolled. And Northwestern has some guy in a, you know, Macintosh ad or something. Right, yeah. It is like, I, I just think it had, it is kind of like a balance if you want to take that measured approach. So I'll put my Michigan hat back on because I want to finish on Harbaugh here. Yeah. And, you know, to kind of circle back to that. So yeah. if I'm a Wolverine fan and I feel like a lot of you guys are in this boat too. Okay. You had your dalliance with Minnesota. Like I'm done with this. Like I want a $20 million buyout. Like if you're going to leave here anytime in the next five years, like I, I'm, I'm done with the rumors. I'm tired of it. The one time I, I got away from uh, rumors about you leaving or it's because we were going to fire you because you were what, two and five or whatever it was. I, I'm done. I, I, I'm happy he's here. I'm sick of the rumor mill. What is your appetite 
for this kind of nonsense or this story being out there again 365 days from now? Because you're going to be the one, correct me if I'm wrong, that's going to have to, as a member of the board, approve that contract. Do you want to see a little uh, language in that contract that's saying, look, if you want to go to the Indianapolis Colts next year, you got to pay an $18 million buyout? Like, where are you kind of at on that? Because I think people are at their wits end on your side. So, Justin, I'll put it to you this way. Um, Jim Harbaugh is a Michigan Wolverine. I'm thrilled Jim Harbaugh is a Michigan Wolverine. Um, and I expect Jim Harbaugh to stay a Michigan Wolverine uh, and retire a Michigan Wolverine. Retire? Um, so you think the NFL thing is really gone? You buy the Mitch album, what, the quote in there. I, I, I expect that Jim is going to throw himself into this just like he has for the next seven, the last seven years he's going to do for the next seven years. Yeah. Yeah, wow. I do. It is interesting because he has burned out everywhere, but he's two years past his previous max. So it is unique being Michigan. You know, I think that there's a level, you know, and I can't speak for Jim, obviously, but there's something like I told you at the beginning of this about being home, you know, with your parents living next door and your kids going to the same school that you went to uh, and coaching your kids in the soccer league. And, um, you know, I know that his, his little ones have a lot of fun with that. Um, there's something about being home that you can't replicate anywhere else. Uh, and I think uh, I think Jim's really found his place. I really do. Um, and I do expect him to, re- to retire a Wolverine, definitely. This is something we saw at Michigan State with their basketball program where Tom Izzo had a rumor that he was going to the Atlanta Hawks in the yep. wake of the 2000 title. I think it was that very offseason, but within a year. Yep. And that fizzled out. And then it was you know, half a decade or so later, a little bit longer. The LeBron James, if LeBron stays in Cleveland, right. Tom Izzo's going to go to yep. Cleveland thing. Yep. Um, you know, I don't know why a Big Ten coach would think he could go to Cleveland and succeed. He must be a maniac, but uh, that would never happen, though. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> that, that went well. Uh, but, you know, but Izzo, when he had that press conference, it's actually the fame, the origin of the Spartan Dog for Life thing. Mm-hmm. He sat in front of the media, got into it with Lynn Henning, but that's another story. But he said, like, I'm done. This is it. And those rumors that were always kind of out there, he got really close twice, Atlanta and then Cleveland. Yeah. It really has, there's been a whisper. That was 10 years ago. Yeah. You, so you think that that's where Michigan's at, where like you're at the Tom Izzo, Lynn Henning fight press conference, absent the fight. And there's, we're just done with this. Because I, I find that hard to believe. I think we're going to be back here hearing Vegas Raider rumors next year if something goes wrong there. But uh, we'll see. I, like I said before, and I could, I could only say it three times into your mic, I expect Jim Harbaugh to retire a Michigan okay. Wolverine. I'm sh- I, I'd be shocked because all we've known is these rumors. It'd be a big pivot. But. Well, there's a reason why that you know these rumors. The rumors happen because he's a hot. At the end of the day, he's a coach that wins, right? And you could say whatever you want about all this stuff, embarrassment, blah blah blah. But NFL teams and other schools, they want a coach that wins, right? And yep. you can't. At the end of the day, you can't argue with his success, and that's why I know that our fans are going to welcome him back this fall. I think so, too. I th- and like I said, I think you can do a hell of a lot worse. I, I tweeted out when the news came out. I think Michigan is better for Harbaugh being there. Yep. I think college football is better totally for agree. having Harbaugh. I totally agree with that. Uh, so, you know, as much as I, again, it's a begrudging respect for the program and, and the guy, but it's a respect nonetheless. Like it's, you're better off with this guy. There's he's better than 93% of the college coaches out there. I you mean, know, it's whatever the number 91, whatever you want to put it at. You know, 
<laughs> I was thinking about this. I was talking to a friend a couple of days ago, uh, a friend from not from America, a group of friends from England. Actually, was like, can you imagine explaining college football to non-Americans and why it makes Americans so I can't, into I, it? I can't explain I mean, it to uh, I, Americans. <laughs> I know. I, I know, don't know right? why I care so much. I mean, I, I find myself, and you know, I, this role has allowed me to take a lot more um, of a. a uh, less fan view and more of an understanding of the the business and the sport. Um, but the thing I'm always reminded of, um, and I think it's always important to keep it in perspective, is a couple years ago I was walking out of the tunnel during the uh, after Michigan had beaten SMU, and one of the SMU players walks up and says something to one of their assistants like, "I just want a uh, snack bar and I want to see my mom." Right. And it got it stopped me in my tracks, actually, because it reminded me this is a game that these guys are just they're kids. Right. They're 18 to 23 year old kids for the most part, uh, unless you play forward for Purdue, in which case you get to play till you're like 35. Yeah. yeah um, Ryan Davidson in Wisconsin. Right? <laughs> I think he's in his 30s at yeah, this point. Yeah, right. No, we have the same amount of gray. Yeah. Can you um, run for president? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but, uh, you know, they're kids at the end of the day. Right. And you're talking about. Uh, leaders coaching kids and making them from 18-year-old high school seniors into men, right? And that's, uh, it sounds kind of hokey and kind of cheesy, but you see it at the end of the day. Um, and that's why, you know, having leaders, not just Jim Harbaugh, but the staff that he's assembled there, um, which let's be honest, you know, I, people ask me, what, what do I think Jim Harbaugh's best skill is as a coach? And it's, it's actually one of the most important as a leader, but one that people don't really understand is that he has an incredible eye for coaching talent. You know, you can say, oh, well, coaches leave. He has incredible ability to find coaches that can do great stuff. He hires a 34-year-old guy who's never coached in college before, comes in as defensive coordinator, did a great job, right? Now, thank you, John. But, I mean, John kind of put that in a Okay, but, uh, nice you know, I, I, put it, I put it on, uh, on uh, you know, guys like Sean Newell last year. Uh, guys like um, like Matt Weiss, who's an, an analytics guru, who again is a punter for Vanderbilt. Right now, he's, co- he's the coaching. staff revamp saved the program. And by the way, this is what D'Antonio never did, and this is what Michigan State fans wanted, and that's why D'Antonio flamed out. I love Mark, but Har- I give Harbaugh credit for that because mm-hmm. D'Antonio, it was not working, and he just he. he Burned out with the, with the flame. He yep. just he went down with that ship, and then he sailed well, off. Harbaugh, of course, corrected that. Well, you know, it takes an incredible amount of uh, humility to be able to do something like that. John Beeline did it twice, by the way. Um, you know, and totally redid his staff when he needed to. Um, and you know what? I think that's what's going to keep him successful. Ultimately, is is his ability to identify talent. It's really, really exceptional. It'll be interesting to see what happens because I, I, I just I could not disagree with you more on the rumor mill. It doesn't mean he'll actually leave, but I, I, that's the thing. It's not just that Tom Izzo didn't leave. The rumors just, they were gone. They, we haven't heard of him in 10 years. So it could be out of Harbaugh's control. It's just, it'll be interesting to see if whether that spins or not. But let, let's get off this. So Jim, yeah. Jim Harbaugh, a Michigan legend who is staying, Yes. A not-so-legend, but still prominent figure at the University of Michigan who is not staying. He, he's on the way out. I know he's already gone, but I think he's still got a place up there. Uh, your president, Dr. Schlissel up there. Yeah. yeah. So, former president. Former, 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 former president. president. Yeah. So uh, 
you know, there's a lot of ways I could go. I want to start with the cut just that we pulled from Channel 4. Just gives a little bit of a snapshot of the announcement comes out. You guys let them go. And we'll kind of get into it from there. But just to set the tone for the audience out there. So, Ben, let's roll that to start. It's all University of Michigan students are talking about on a Saturday night. We first saw it all over social media when we were at a dinner, and then we all got like an email like a few minutes later, and we saw everything. Everything as in the why. U of M Board of Regents say after receiving information about an alleged sexual affair with a subordinate, they determined those interactions were inconsistent with promoting dignity and reputation of the university. A released 118-page document of Schlissel's communication with that employee includes an email he sent writing, quote, just for fun end quote, and attached a New Yorker article titled Sexual Fantasies of Everyday New Yorkers. In another email in reference to a basketball game and seating assignments, Schlissel writes, quote, the only reason I agreed to go was to go with you. So I am very, and you more than me even, but I am very familiar with the workings of boards of trustees, boards of regents, just yeah. because I'm a Michigan State alum, and ours has had us by the balls for 30 years. So I, I get how this thing works, but I, I realize not everybody does. Yeah, I was contacted by my friend Garrett ahead of this. Uh, Garrett ahead of this show, diehard Michigan fan. He, he could not have been more excited. He's watching right now, and he said, "Like, look, this may be a dumb question, but like, what the hell? Like, does a regent really do? Like, what kind of yeah. power does he have?" You basically did this, this Schlissel firing. That was a Jordan Acker and Co. operation. Is that fair? Well, the Board of Regents? Well, the it Board was, of Regents fired him. It was the, the board as a, a unanimous whole right. made the decision to remove Dr. Schlissel. Why did, why did you guys do it? Is it as simple as you uncover this inappropriate relationship? Because the tin, hoil, uh, tin foil hat thing that was, you know, probably the same people that were saying some of the other stuff we talked about is that you guys were in general not pleased with his performance, his attitude as president. And not that you conjured this up. It did happen. But it was a convenient kind of like, OK, this is our chance to pounce. Kind of take me through how we got here to where he's this you know, beloved doctor figure to now he's on the sidewalk. Yeah. You know, I would tell you, first of all, it, it was not pretextual at all. Um you know, the, the, as you know, you've seen here and as we've, we've said before, um, you know, the university received an anonymous complaint uh, suggesting that there was some sort of inappropriate relationship here. Um, the university uh, handled it correctly, um, investigated it. Um, obviously, the, the board was presented with the emails that you saw. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, within a matter of days, uh, President Sussel was relieved of his of his job. Um, and I think, you know, beyond the, 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 whatever that was, um, going on there, and I don't have any proof that there was a intimate relationship or sexual relationship. I know it was inappropriate, certainly inappropriate to engage on university email. Um, you know, I, I think this sent a really strong message. And I think the message here is that this kind of behavior is not appropriate. It's not tolerated, whether you're the president, whether you're the provost, because we've had that too, or whether you are, you know, uh, a first year advisor, do you know, graduate student with a couple of students, you cannot engage in this sort of behavior on our campus. 
And I think for too long, our institution has tolerated some level of misconduct by certain people in the academic world because they're rock stars. You know, and I don't think that these all things happen all at the same time, but I do think that uh, we have we have said that we have allowed things to happen, whether it's this or David Daniels, you know, someone to come on our campus that has, you know, there should be flashing red lights and we haven't done a good enough job. We haven't, you know, Martin Filbert, who was our former provost, who was, who was terminated several years ago, um, was engaged in, in sexual relationships with many subordinates as Dean as provost, he was actually supervising the office that's supposed to investigate sexual misconduct. Oh, beautiful. And so it comes to a point where I think the board sees this. We had to act. There was no choice but to act. But also, we have to send a message to our community that this is enough, that no one can do this anymore. And if this is what people are interested in doing, they should find employment elsewhere. Because at the end of the day, we have to be a campus that we don't just say that we're free of sexual misconduct. We're not strive. We have to live our values. And our values in this particular circumstance were clear. You cannot engage in that sort of communication with an underling. You cannot. Um, and I think the board was united. I think the board acted strongly and swiftly. I don't think the board acted at all to sweep things under the rug or, or, uh, act on towards, towards Dr. Schlissel. And I think in some respects, releasing the emails was actually a fair thing to do. You know, I don't want people to think that Mark Schlissel is a monster. He's not a monster. He's a man with a lot of power who abused that power. He abused it, right? And for whatever reason, he thought he could do this and get away with it. And for too long at all of our institutions, not just the University of Michigan, all of our major institutions, we have allowed that to happen. And at some point, we have to stand up and say, enough, enough. And for us, for our university, for our institution, this is enough. Um, and I, I know that uh, we'll probably hear more from other you know, issues of misconduct. We've seen it before at the university. I hope that people, men, women, continue to come forward because at the end of the day, Coming forward on something like this is about the hardest thing you can do. You're not believed. You lose friends. Uh, the, the mental and physical impact on victims and survivors coming forward is tremendous. Um, and so I think as we, I think the board has sent a clear signal that coming forward uh, is the brave thing to do and the right thing to do. And I hope to, you know, I want to say that, you know, hearing more about sexual misconduct at campus will mean, means, oh, that, that there's a rant, you know, it's rampant. But sexual misconduct is wildly underreported, as you know, on, yes. on campus. Yeah. I mean, I remember a Michigan State a friend of mine who went to Michigan State on our first day sitting down in a room and, and having an advisor say, look to your right, look to your left. One of the three of you will be involved in some sort of sexual misconduct yeah, before you leave like this place. That's like an orientation. Michigan State yeah. does that. I th think they still do. And it's and it, it it's about time institutions stand up and say enough, enough. And that no matter what talent you have, whether it's in astrophysics or in medicine or in football, that this kind of behavior won't be tolerated by us.
And I think we've put a marker down. And I'm I'm really proud of the way that the board acted here. I really am. So I'm I am not playing devil's advocate because I agree with everything you said. This is a genuine uh, probing of this particular issue. Mm-hmm. I I want to make sure I understand the nature of the allegations in their entirety. It wasn't that there was a it wasn't that it was not consent or not consensual, right? It was basically just a, a more of a harassment nature. There was no sexual assault allegation out there in regards to them because I couldn't find any. It was just inappropriate kind of comments, right? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I don't want to speculate because the investigation's still ongoing fair, into fair. this. Um, but I, I think in a lot of respects, the the letter that we wrote and you know the dignity, like yeah. they mentioned on Channel Four, the dignity and uh, and the reputation of the university. Uh, were put into question, um, and the behavior of the president was put into question. And I think when you're when you're the the leader of any institution, um, you have to be better and more careful in your behavior than in any other role. Because even if relationships are consensual, and I have no reason to believe that there was not a non consensual relationship here, you have a huge power differential over literally everyone in the institution except for the board. So. Um, you know, you have to be your behavior has to be really beyond reproach. That's that's all yeah, there is to it. I, and I, yeah. and by the way, you don't get off the clock when you're the president. You're you know, nope. I'm the chair of the board, right? When I drive home, I'm still the chair of the board. When I go home and when I go on Twitter tonight, which I inevitably will, I'm still you know, I still have to represent the institution. Period. Um, you know, I can't go getting you know get drunk and getting fights at tailgates, right? That aff- reflects badly on the university. It was a big sacrifice for you, uh, yeah, <laughs> right? To, exactly. To give that up, right? Yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> With my three kids at home, I'm in bed by <laughs> nine o'clock every night. Yeah, yeah quite a um, cowboy man. Ooh, <laughs> seriously, um, but you know, at the end of the day, um, we ha- we don't get to take those hats off, and I think it's important looking forward for 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 when we're we're in the process of hiring the next president. That people look at the situation and say, not the board, you know, did something bad by Mark Schussler, because I don't think that people will say that. What I want people to say at the end of the day is, is that this is a university with integrity. This university is a place with great values and is a place where if you're thinking about applying to be the president of it, that you have to have those values, too. Not just when you're on the clock and speaking to a microphone, but when you're at home in your personal life, too. And you know, if that makes people that act in this manner think twice about applying, I'm okay with that. I really am. Do you recall where you were when you first got wind of there's a whistleblower who dropped the package off or left the message or however it happened? Were you like on your Peloton or well, oh. how, you recall how that went down? You know what? I, um, I, it, it came via email. I honestly can't. Were you, remember. were you surprised when you heard? Because you know, the, the famous story with uh, Bill Cosby was, Obviously, the allegations came out, but like the, those whispers were apparently out there for years. Same thing with Harvey Weinstein. Was it like a oh my god, I can't believe President Schlissel would act untoward? Like, or was it yes? Like, yeah, this is kind of I heard some stuff. Honestly, yes, and I'll tell you why. Um, yes, you were surprised. I was surprised. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, President Schlissel had said to me many times how disgusted and personally betrayed he felt by Martin Filbert, the provost and what he did um, and had lived through us starting the process of rehabbing our, our trust with our community through that. And I I couldn't, I I still can't believe for the life of me while he looked me in the eye and said that this was going on. I can't. Now you're, you're the 
betrayed party. At that I, point, I right? mean, it's like it's like you know, I hate to. I'm not bringing up politics today, but it's like uh, it's like Newt Gingrich having an affair while prose- persecuting the you know the president right. for right. I mean, I, I just I and I don't know if Mark Schlissel's having an affair or not, but you know, I I just the the knowing that we we're putting this policy in place, the naked hypocrisy is just it's it's stunning. And, you know, again, I don't know if he's violated that policy. I do know that the email communication was wildly, wildly inappropriate. I mean, I've, I've never signed an email, um, to an employee, miss you or thinking of you or something like that. You know, it's, it's, (laughs) there's no, no context where I would find that appropriate in my work. I mean, in my law firm, that would never, never fly. I mean, you know, I don't take, uh, uh, Mad Men as a as a you know how to manual so yeah yeah but probably a good idea so I mean <laughs> even okay so you you believe the you know the investigation the allegations yep. are a valid reason standing alone to make the decision yes, that you did which I, I do. don't dispute uh, do you reject the part of the conspiracy theory that says that you guys really had some issues with Schlissel prior to this. Not to say that contributed to the decision, but it seemed like I, – I'm not plugged in like you, Jordan. Yeah, yeah. But I, just the people up there that I know, the rumors I'm, – I'm a degree of separation away. But sure. That he was not a beloved figure up there for whatever reason. The past year or two in particular, is that fair? Well, here's what I would say is that um, presidents have strengths and weaknesses, um, and, and what you require in a president changes over time. Um, and I think that it's fair to say that the weaknesses of President Schlissel are what we are what the university needs more now in a president or any leader, by the way. I mean, communication, empathy, these are really important skills. And I, I think that especially during COVID, I think it was um it was much more difficult for for Dr. Schlissel to to do that. Was that the reason for his termination? No. No, it was not. Um, but at the same time, as we look at for what the next president is, I think that those, those skills are going to be really important. Trust, communication, empathy. I mean, at this point, we know that those are not just important skills, but necessary skills for any leader at any role. Did, did Dr. Schlissel get sort of called before the board? How is he made aware of it in, in your purview? Like, did, have you spoken to him from time of whistleblower to sitting here right now? What's that been like? You know, I'm not going to get into our, our private conversations. Okay, um, fair enough. Um, I, I haven't spoken to Dr. Slissel since he was terminated. Um, I don't expect to. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I can't say what's going to happen in the future. I don't know. But, um, you know, I, I, you know, I think that um, his continued presence in Ann Arbor caused a lot of pain. Um, you know, we lost a lot of trust with Martin Filbert and it goes back obviously to Dr. Anderson and, and many of these other situations and, um, our campus needs to heal. Right. That's a great point. You can't, you can't separate that context. You you, you can't, um, you, you can't at the end of the day. And, you know, if you, if you love the institution, um, like you profess, then, you know, you, you allow that campus to heal. So you and I go way back. Uh, we do try to do the math in my head. It's, I, I mean, we're not quite 20 years, probably 18 years, I think, oh, three or so. So I've known you a long time. No, I can't remember, can't remember how we met. I, it's like for the life of me, I can't remember. 
But uh, some, 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 somehow we met on the street or something. Yeah. Uh, friends for a long time. I consider you a friend of mine. I appreciate that. Uh, we have a mutual friend, uh, Brian Masalem, who. Yes. Had, oh, my God. I love Brian yeah, Masalem. I mean, God, that guy would like, I mean, shirt off the back, like uh, the cliche, like that guy would just take his shirt off. and, and Just a great, great yeah, guy. Yeah. He's just what the salt guy. of the earth. Yeah. He's newly on my wall in the bathroom. Uh, I showed you. Oh, he's in the bathroom. Yeah. That's where he belongs. No, <laughs> oh, no, the, the picture of him playing. Got, right, right. I got, I got oh, Mel Tucker. Man, I, I got Tom him. Izzo. I got yeah. a picture of me in the newspaper. So the, there's no shame in being in the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just no, to no, be no. anywhere. Yeah, in, in here, anywhere in this, the shrine is pretty. <laughs> it incredible. is a shrine. Yeah. So a big Brian Masalam guy as as are you, and he yes. has been in a chair. Uh, you know, he wasn't the chair, but a chair similar to yours, being yep. a trustee. Yep the equivalent of a region effectively at Michigan State. And he was famously railing against his own brethren and the administration at Michigan State with the Larry Nasser yes, case, was. specifically in the fallout and how they were going yep. to address the victims. I think the Michigan State administration tended to go the John Engler route, and he was the interim yep. president at the time. Don't say anything. Don't rock the boat. Like, don't say anything that's going to get us sued. Everything's mitigate, mitigate, yep. liability, yep. liability. Yep. Lawyers run the show. Exactly. Yep. And when we had Masalam, he's done my show twice, but the first time he came on, it was kind of half Mel Tucker who had just been hired and half, hey, take me to the Nasser case. Yep. So I pulled a clip from his appearance here, his first appearance here, where he's talking about his experience and the, the struggle for him, the colleagues around him are not seeing this Nasser thing in the same light he is. And I want to just paint that context first. And I, I might jump in in the middle, but let's start with Brian Masson. Yeah. I saw everybody, for lack of a better term, when Everybody got naked at that university in front of me. I saw the way everybody behaved when well, the bullets were flying. I saw everybody duck for cover, uh, hide behind the lawyers, uh, crawl into their partisan hole. And I just refused to do, to, to, I, w I was going to be outward facing. I thought we were, we were, we lacked empathy. I thought we didn't show compassion. The board was tone deaf. Joel I'll, made I'll, us I'll, sound more tone deaf. Real quick there, Ben. So, I mean, his, he's saying there, his, everyone around him is just kind of tone deaf, no compassion. It was all pragmatism. And, you know, again, how do we mitigate control the situation? And we'll, yeah. we'll let Ben finish the clip, but he goes into how he felt personally attacked for something that he didn't do, he had nothing to do with, and how he felt an onus to kind of step up and fix that. So we'll finish the clip there, Ben, please. And I didn't, I said, you know, screw this. I'm no longer listening to the lawyers and we need to get out here. It's okay to apologize. It's, I really thought my reaction was common sense. I mean, hey, we're sorry. We're sorry girls got hurt here. And, um, you know, we need to fix this and we have a problem. And we want your advice and help along the way. Because if you look at the survivors, uh, you know, they were, they were looking for an apology. They were looking for accountability. They were looking for transparency. Never once did they talk about money. And so it really was, um, the real turning point to me is, um, you know, I held my town hall and, uh, no other trustee came. I mean, 5,000 people came yelling at me and a moderator lost control. And I felt, the, I, I, I saw the rage. I finally felt the rage because we're volunteers. We're part-time. I mean, I'm living in, you know, I'm in Dearborn and I'm, I'm sitting at first thinking to myself, well, why, how is this my fault? You know, I'm watching, you know, Rachel Den Hollander talk about 1996. And I was like, I was in school then, you know, and, and so I, I quickly realized that this is, you know, as Michigan's board's going to realize and they're realizing is that where the fate, this will come to our doorstep. And that I just thought my reaction was just basic common sense, really. So, I mean, that was, uh, 
about a year and a half, almost two yeah. years ago now at this point. And he talked, yeah. he alluded to at the end, you know, it coming to Michigan's doorstep, which it recently has, and that he was alluding to the Dr. Anderson case, which you yeah. mentioned. Yeah. Uh, you guys somewhat recently settled that yeah. on the financial side. So I want to bring in the cut. Now, John Vaughn, who is, I, I mean, I think probably safe to say, the most prominent, he was a John Doe and converted, you know, to, came out publicly, a, you know, accuser who uh, I think his, what was he, uh, running back in the 80s, I believe, John Vaughn, or maybe 70s, but pretty severe allegations against the program and, and Dr. Anderson. And I want to juxtapose sort of where Vaughn is versus kind of where Masalem was, and then we'll get to kind of Michigan's response. So, yeah. uh, Ben, if you can play the cut of John Vaughn, please. I wouldn't say that there was any celebration um, because I think for the majority of us, we realize that we still want answers and those answers haven't been given and we still want conversations um, that haven't been had. Well, despite the settlement getting announced, I understand that you and fellow survivors are not planning to stop your sit-in protests anytime soon. Can you, can you tell me why that is? What else do you want to see now from the University of Michigan? Well, there's several reasons why. One, I've not spoken with anyone from the university except for the university police for the last 100 days. One of the conditions of my protest was we as survivors wanted to have a dialogue which included me face-to-face with the border regents and the office of the president. That has not happened. So, you know, again, you put that against Masalem's where he's saying, look, at my own initiation, I declared a town hall. I, I, I had nothing to do with this. In fact, I was the one person on the yeah. board that was their ally that, that's fighting for them, that agrees with everything they're saying. And I still, you know, he didn't use the term martyr, but I'll call him a martyr in that moment. He took the slings and arrows and he was the last person that deserved them. But he felt somebody had to, for Michigan State, step up and he took the bullet. Yeah. It, I don't know what your guys' process has been, what restrictions you have, liability, but yes. you, you, when you look to, and I, I know that's a thing, when you see yeah. the the Vaughn quote where he says, look, yes, the, you know, the financial settlement, that part's resolved. We're not happy until we get an audience with you guys, and we have not, you guys meaning the board, we have not received that. Why haven't they received that? You know, I, I have to unfortunately put my lawyer hat on for this one. <laughs> I, fine. I have to, uh, uh, you know, not run afoul of a federal judge. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to decline to answer this particular question, but I'm going to answer it with this. And I think this is really important. You know, part of what Michigan State got in trouble for wasn't just listening to the, to the lawyers and mitigating risk, but Michigan State didn't do what we did. And I, I want to go back to the beginning of this. So we learned yep. about this uh, like the public did in January of 2020. And my first call, uh, first off, my first call was actually to Brian Masalem. And I talked to Brian for a couple hours and he said, uh, you know, let me put you in touch with Rachel Den Hollander. And Rachel and I spoke for probably about four. I mean, both of us have real young kids. We like to talk late at night when they're asleep. So we talked from like eight o'clock to like midnight one night. I mean, we really uh, talked and I, I, I asked the board if the board would be willing to listen to her. And we did. We, we sat in a room and um, she was down in uh, Kentucky or where she lives. But she conferenced in and the board listened to her. Um, and we listen to what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And the biggest thing that that the biggest difference and the biggest thing that we could do um, right from the outset is make sure we had an independent, full, no holds barred investigation. Um, we hired Wilmer Hale, 
They came in, they reviewed mountains of documents. They went to the Bentley Historical Library and reviewed documents from coaches, uh, letters that had been written. Literally, there was nothing their investigators were restricted from seeing. Nothing. That was a condition of the, having an independent investigation. Um, but the thing that that gets me and, and frankly um, makes it s- harder in this way is that we can we can tell the story of what happened as well as we can because as you all know uh most of the 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 people involved in this are dead um you know the last person who was involved with Dr. Anderson's employment died about a year ago he was deposed before he died but he died about a year ago um Bo Schembechler's been dead for well over a decade uh Don Canham's been dead for well over a decade um so it's really hard to understand what they heard what they knew um and what what was said between them, um, and the thing that that gets me and really hits me here about it, um, and whether I talked to to survivors that I knew before this and I didn't, and I I think it's important to understand um, that in this community everyone knows somebody who is affected by this. Everyone, um, you know, there there there's a family friend of ours who who was a student athlete at U of M and suffered through this uh, both during and after undergraduate. Um, it affected everybody. Um, you know, obviously it affected John terribly. Um, but the thing I think about a lot and, and, and watching the documentary for Michigan State um, is that, you know, Rachel got to accomplish something incredible. She got to stare down her, her monster, right? I mean, let's be clear, like, it, it, it happened at a different time, but the outcome is the same. Dr. Anderson and Larry Nasser were monsters. In fact, I hate even calling him Dr. Anderson. I just, Robert Anderson and Larry Nasser were monsters, right? But I can't, the one thing that I can't give and I wish I could is the inner peace from being able to, to face down, you know, the person um, who has done these horrible things to you. Um, I can offer my apology and I have, and I, uh, Mark Schussel did, and, and I know board members have, and I will over and over again, because right. A lot of this happened before I was born. Uh, it causes an incredible amount of pain that has lasted through the lives of many of these men. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I just hope for John Vaughn as I hope for every one of the thousand victims uh, of Robert Anderson, that they're able to find peace, um, you know, and, and you know what we, t- we obviously can't talk about financial settlements or cases, but um, you know, one of the things that I hope for a lot of them is they take advantage of the university providing uh, therapy uh, for, for victims of Dr. Anderson um, because, you know, uh, not everyone gets to be feeded, at, you know, and obviously they would never trade it for the world to get feeded at the ESPYs, but um, everyone knows that Nasser victims, uh, the victims, whether they came for it or not, are heroes, right? People need to hear the same thing about these men that um, doesn't matter whether you're, a, you know, a six foot five athlete or, you know, just a student who, who went to, U, to UHS and had this happen. These men are heroes. John Vaughn is a hero. Um coming forward on this for any of them is not easy and they need to be like I said before when it came when it came to other instances in our university they need to be applauded for it and the one thing that I am proud of our campus community um, is that these men have been embraced um, and I think that's really that did not happen 
in East Lansing. It did not happen at Penn State. Um, it, you know, it, it, it's. Um, I think our understanding of it has gotten a lot better of these situations and how they these monsters can attack themselves, attach themselves to institution for decades. You know, whether it's the, the, here or the Boy Scouts or the Ch- Catholic Church, how that happens. And I think that we've turned a corner in our society of treating these men like the heroes that they are because, you know, nobody wants to come forward and talk about something like this. Nobody. And the fact that they did is is truly impressive. And I, um, you know, continue to import upon them how how um, they do make, you know, they make our university proud even now, even throughout all this. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to like suggest that John Vaughn speaks for all. I was like 850, I think was the number. Yeah, I, heard. I, I mean, I whatever it is, the hundreds yeah. of victims, you know, in this case. But I, I will speak for him, you know, in just what he said. And his one request, when asked two weeks ago, uh, the settlement's done. All I want now is an audience with somebody like Jordan Acker. I don't, I, I don't know what the nature of the the judge's order is. Is there a judge order that like you can't invite him up and sit and talk to him? Like I, I actually don't know. I'm not like even being a jerk about it. No, like, no, no. What's I, the na- What's the I, nature I, of the? I, 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 all I can say is, is that I can't answer that question. Okay. And okay. Um, I, um, I, th- I like I to keep my bar him. license. And I Fair look. Enough, I feel I. I Jordan, have, I know you. Man. I know. I know you I know. for twenty years. I know yeah. you care about this stuff. I do. I do. I, I know deeply. It's that, I know it's that you. It's stuff that you don't care. Um, so I don't want anyone to think that I'm insinuating that because mm-hmm. I've known you forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just, I, I, I got to think that's tough for you because I know you. You want to like hold that guy's hand and be like, tell me everything. Like, mm-hmm. what can I do? Yeah. And you're kind of handcuffed. Is that frustrating for you personally? I think that um, we. Just generally speaking, when it comes to sexual misconduct survivors, we as a board, as an institution, need to know, do a better job of engaging with them, period. And I'm not talking about John Vaughn because I can't. Um, but in the, some of these other yeah. circumstances, uh, David Daniels, uh, excuse me, uh, Martin Filbert, some of these other situations have happened on campus. We need to do a better job at engaging with them, period. Um, and that's something that we have to continue to work on because – um, we're not we're not there yet. Um, we're doing better, but um, I think we can engage more, and I think we can we can do a better job at um, in, you know figuratively embracing people and making sure that they feel um, the love that they're part of our community and their their voice matters a lot. It really does. Yes, yes. the state of Michigan community, which Michigan State, Eastern Michigan doesn't matter. Your university affiliation, none doesn't matter. The yeah. state of Michigan community seems to be very much aligned on Anderson. You know, we don't yeah. even call him Dr. Anderson. Just, I'm not calling him Dr. Anderson. Call again, it's I called him Anderson. Yeah. Where the the split is is on Bo Schembechler. And I, I think you see, you know, Mitch Albin's piece today, which we quoted, although not this relevant part, but he's bringing up old Bo stories. And, you know, in our discussion today, you know, you're saying, oh, you know, Bo was an active participant. It's like Bo is still like – it's just mentioned his name's mentioned as if nothing ever happened with this allegation. It's sort of like an elephant in the room thing. And I don't know what to make of it either, because this is the case when all these people are dead. What is the balance? And I talked about it with Johnny Bacon on the show and yeah. I, I got some shit for it. And I, he got shit through me. I don't know if anyone contacted him directly, oh, but no people were yeah. shitting on him 
uh, to me. So we're both getting it about. But here, my position was: look, I mean, evidence is evidence. If evidence is there, game over. Yeah. But absent of evidence, I I'm reticent to bury somebody when they're dead and they can't defend themselves. Like, where do you kind of? And I'm not going to get into the whole bow thing. Yeah. This is the last thing, and then I'll move on. Yeah. Um, but I just, how do you kind of? rectify that like this bow legend these allegations are out there how do you move forward because no, he's not alive so it's it's really challenging and you know I, I we think about it uh, a lot with um you know we've had questions about naming the building after fielding yost right because of incidents that occurred hockey team was hot about that one i told you about that yeah one. yeah wow. and um you know i i tend to fall down on, on this in this area um men are flawed they are men and women people are flawed um, we live with their rousing successes and they're also their tremendous failures. Um, no person is, should be judged by their worst failure and no person should be judged by their greatest success. Um, and unfortunately, and too much in our society, we do one or the other, right? I mean, we judge people by, you know, we, we cancel random people on the internet, right? Um, and yet we celebrate and venerate people who might not deserve it because of the one area of their life where they're unbelievable, you know, unbelievably yep. successful. Um, and so we have to come down somewhere in the middle. You know, we have to we have to say we can name buildings after people. We can even have statues of people. But we have to understand who these people are and what they you know, what what happened with them. Um, good and bad, by the way. Um, we have to acknowledge, for example, that while Fielding Yost was an incredible athletic director, coach, you name it, he was also probably a racist, right? Um, you know, and we have to continue to engage our heroes um, as they are, which is flawed. Um, but we also at Michigan have a tremendous problem um, with buildings named after our African-American heroes. You know, I've, I've said this before in public, and I will say it again to your audience. Um, the fact that our basketball arena is named after a white guy who never stepped foot in that basketball arena is always strange to me. When that basketball arena exists because of Cassie Russell and no other reason. Ca People, it got so crowded at Yoast that they had to move to a bigger venue because of Cassie Right, we don't have anything like that named after Cassie, and that's a perfect like way to honor him, I, like with the backstory and, and you know we have a track where Jesse Owens competed and broke records, you know, before he went off to the thirty six Olympics. We have, um, you know, uh, you know, and and yet we don't we don't have anything named after him until this year. We didn't have a a, a trophy named after. Um, an African-American graduate of the university. Um, and now we do it, the George Jewett trophy, which is, you know, between Michigan and Northwestern um, uh, where he also attended school. Um, but this is the kind of stuff that we're talking about here. Um, we need to do a better job at honoring our heroes for what they are, which is flawed men. Um, but, but I think that, um, you know, I, I don't want to get into the, the bow statue or not. You know, I, I think it's, almost less important than telling people and letting people know that there, the, the, that this program had a monster around it, um, that fielding Yost agreed to these gentlemen's agreements to keep African-American players out of playing games against Southern teams, um, that these don't make them need to be canceled necessarily, 
but we need to acknowledge it as part of their history. That when you walk into Yost Ice Arena, you don't just know that Fielding Yost was, you know, the point of minute teams and all that. You also have to know that when he was faced with an opportunity to stop racism in his in his sport, he chose the cowardly path. Right. And we have to know that just as much as we know everything else. The problem is we don't know in both cases. We don't know the history for sure. So right. it's like, can we put up the plaque next to the statue saying he covered up this stuff or not? We don't know. I mean, that's sort of there's there's no good answer. To and, it. And, and that's the thing. And I'm, that's I'm getting back to the spot, No, but getting getting back, getting back to the thing that we talked about with Nasser and being able to face the, the yeah. survivors. Um, that's the thing that that's the hardest thing to to not know. Well, we will probably never know what Bo Schembechler knew or didn't know or how he was told or wasn't told. We won't, well, the same thing with Don Canham. We won't ever know. We won't really ever know. Um, and, you know, that is, it, it, it creates a gray history that's, that's hard. That's hard on our institution. Um, that's hard on the survivors of Dr. Anderson. Um, what we do know and we can say for certain is without picking out any individual person, we know through the Wilmer Hale report that our institution failed. You know, whether it's at the top, the middle, at the bottom, they failed. Every administrator who had an opportunity to stop Dr. Anderson failed. Every person who had an opportunity to stop Martin Filbert failed. And it goes on and on. And in, in, instead of saying, you know, well, we're, we're going to blot those names out, we have to look back and say, how are we going to make sure that the next Dr. Anderson never happens at our school, that the next Martin Filbert never happens at our school? And I think that is um, where I, I think I align a lot of my values with, with what John Vaughn's saying, but also I've heard from many survivors of many victimizers on our campus and East Lansing throughout the country um, is that uh, we need to prevent the next one, right? It's, these institutions are big. You know, not just Michigan, but every these big institutions uh, allow people to hide, and we have to 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 get into those hiding places and make sure that we're doing everything we can to support survivors, um, but also to make sure that people uh, are prevented from having this happen to them in the first place. And the alleged conduct with Dr. Schlissel that led to his termination is a far cry from Anderson. Yes. So I don't want anyone to think. Yes. That. Oh, and you're right. And like, well, I said that before. It's yeah. in that spirit, though. I just, I, it's not, yeah. you said, I don't want anyone to think I'm equating them when I say this. No, they're it, not equated. It goes right. back to what you're saying or were saying earlier. We're going to nip this stuff right away because most of these sort of pervasive sexual predators, they tend to kind of drip, 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 build up to it, build up to it. They get comfortable. They get away with stuff and it, mm -hmm. it becomes pervasive. You're, I mean, and I'm not saying Schlissel would have become that, but no, no, any, and he's any, not a monster. No, 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 but just anybody in general, any type of sort of un, inappropriate con conduct, untoward conduct. Sure. At University of Michigan, your goal is just we're done. Like there's right. zero tolerance. I think that's where it has to land institutionally for you guys, for Michigan State, for any large body. Right. Yep. At the end of the day, I mean, that's why you, you know, Mark Schlissel, like I said, he's a human, and he made a human error. Um, in judgment of huge human error in judgment, but an error nonetheless. And that's why we have rules and regulations and clauses and contracts in place because we know that people make mistakes and people make errors in judgment. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, creating a better culture and creating better better policies is what what helps 
fix it. And, you know, one of the the recommendations that Rachel Den Hollander made when we had our initial call uh, was to talk to Guidepost Solutions. Uh, it was who she recommended to help Michigan State and Michigan State ultimately rejected. We didn't. Um, and, you know, they've um, they've worked on some really hard issues and continue to work on some really hard issues to help make our university better. And um, I sleep better at night knowing that the firm that that Rachel said, you know, she met all these firms. She said, these are the guys are the best and the ones that I trust. I sleep better at night knowing that they're working for us. No question about it. I mean, thank God for Rachel Dunhounder. Oh, she's and, just and an incredible the person. The solemn's role in that. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it involves people being bigger than the situation yep. and, and going outnumbered. So one more thing and I'll get you out of here. I want to end on a, a little bit of a lighter, nicer note. I know you're yes. a dignitary. I see a Harbaugh's texting you right now. That was my wife, but uh, fair enough. I'm going to get you out though. But the, <laughs> She's probably like, where are you home for dinner you're yet? In, you're in control now because I'm only oh, asking you one more question. This, I hope it's what I think it is. What? Oh no! Go go ahead. Go ahead. It, it's I don't know. Now I I want I want you to do it. It might you might have a better topic than me. I oh. just want to talk about Juwan Howard. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. It's, 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 All right. So I, I got know where I'm you gonna, were going, but just it, I want to talk about the Buckeye Buckeye guy too. I have some thoughts on Buckeye guy, but uh, go ahead. I, uh, you, but I want to tell, tell you. Text my wife's I, cool. You know, she's I, upstairs. Well, yeah. I got, yours. I got. I got texting me. I got brisket at home waiting for me. So in that case, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So. I want to tell you. I'll tell you a quick Juwan Howard story. Yeah, so, so again, inside a little inside baseball that um, you get to see in this role. So uh, the day that Juwan Howard, or the day that John Beeline uh, left Michigan, I was in court in Macomb County because I people know like Brian talked about. This is not my day job. I have a real day job. I practice law, and I had to put my phone away because the judge wanted to come, wanted me to come in the chambers and talk about a case. And I come and look at my phone and I have maybe 60 text messages and a missed call from Mark Schlissel. And I was like, oh boy, whatever this is, it cannot be good. So I pick up, I call, I call Dr. Schlissel back and he says, uh, you know, Coach Beeline is, is taking this job with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I'm like, oh God, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And luckily we have an incredible athletic director, Ward Manuel, who He's cool and collected, and he knows exactly what to do. So uh, Ward sends out an email to the board and says, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell you, you know, I'm not going to give him names, but I'm going to tell you what qualities I'm looking for in a, in a coach. And this call, by the way, this is going to be at 6 p.m. on Sunday night. So I, I look, and this week I'm headed to Las Vegas for a friend's birthday party, um, and I'm going to be on an airplane 6 o'clock on Sunday night. So, and I maybe shouldn't admit this before I fly on a Delta flight again, but you think I'm missing this phone call? No way. No way. So I call in, I got my headphones in, I can't talk, but I'm texting people on the call to ask questions for me. And, uh, you know, someone says, well, Jordan's on an airplane right now. I don't know how he's listening to this. And I'm thinking if the flight attendant sees me, uh, you know, this is going to be bad news. So, you know, a couple days later, Ward decides and 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 lets us know that indeed Juwan Howard is the pick. Um, we're thrilled, could not be more excited. Um, and to you know, we can we're having dinner with with Juwan a couple nights later at the Chop House in Ann Arbor. Um, wow, I just gave them a little plug, didn't I? Um, and uh, you know, we get there. You know, we're all wearing suits, and you know, it's very Michigan. You know, with the tie and the Michigan cut. Yep. And I'm talking to Ward. And someone, one of his staffers comes up and whispers something in his ear and he says, 
go take care of it. I said, Ward, is everything okay? Where, where, where's Juwan? Where's his family? Oh, no, no, everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. He'll be here in a few minutes. So our steaks come. We finish dinner. We're having dessert. No, Juwan Howard, what's going on here? So about five minutes later, the Howard family walks in wearing matching Michigan basketball jumpsuits. Not the suits they were wearing to the press conference this afternoon. Matching Michigan basketball jumpsuits. And Juwan, you know, goes around and shakes and says, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he says, you know, I, we put our suits down to, you know, to just rest in the afternoon after that press conference. And someone in the hotel pulled the fire alarm and everything got soaked. Oh, man. So what's amazing about Juwan Howard is, is that, you know, I can spend a thousand bucks. I don't, but I could spend a thousand bucks on a suit. I could never look as classy, as good as he does in that Michigan sweatsuit. Uh, I hope that they came in all matching. Like they're the Globo Gym Purple Cobra. It was pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. Like a nice restaurant. You know, he reaches out his hand to to shake my hand and and says, Hi, I'm 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 Juwan Howard. I reach out my hand and I I say to him, um you know, I'm Jordan Acker, and five-year-old me would just be pinching himself that Juwan Howard just introduced himself to me. You know, I I was six, seven years old when the Fab Five happened, and he just laughed. And um, it shows that there's such a human side to this that's like these are just people at the end of the day, you know, and they're good. You know, Juwan, we're fortunate that Juwan is just a great guy, and his family is wonderful um, and can take stuff like that in stride. But man, your first day on the job and your stuff gets wet in the hotel is not the way you're looking wow, to hustle that, it that's off. A tough, that's a tough break. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know what to make of Juwan Howard thing because I stayed completely neutral when you guys hired him because I, in that tweet's thought there, I said, everyone's, oh, great hire, bad hire. I have no idea. The guy's never done it before. I think he's clearly smart. Like he'll be able to recruit. He's got a great personality yep. and he's got the resume. Oh, yeah. So like I thought it was a good I phrased it, I think it's a good bet. I just didn't know you couldn't feel strong either way. But yep. um very good year and then a kind of a crummy year so far this year. So we'll see. They lost but, a lot of players in the NBA. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Fr- yeah. Franz is a they were preseason number four. Franz is gonna so. be the rookie of the year in the NBA this year. I mean it's a pretty oh, okay, pretty they were preseason number four, so yeah. it wasn't like uh be a, a predictable yeah. fall off. I mean, I they're a lot worse than I thought they'd be. We'll see what happens on March first, but uh, yep. Yeah, I, I still like I, I'm still bullish on Juwan Howard overall, but next year you better come with something because this year's been a mess. But uh, man, I got to think it's cool. You're the guy that was at Yost banging a cowbell when we were That's both. True, we were in it's college. So true. You were like about to yeah. graduate. I was like a freshman in college. Yeah, but I, yeah. you're a few years older than me, but I remember you banging the cowbell. Now you're like getting introduced to jump shoot, uh, right. jumpsuit. Uh, Juwan Howard at the job it, house. It, you know, there's a lot of days when it's really. Um, you know, it's like a dream come true, to be honest with you, as you know, as hard as this job is, and it can be really, really challenging this year uh, has been really challenging, yep. um, especially as chair. But it is the greatest honor in the world to get to serve this institution in this way. I mean, it really is. You know, when they say there's no better elected job on earth, I think that's really true. Um, this has just been it's been just an incredible, incredible time. I had a great time down in Indy. Um, you know, we had a great time down at the Orange Bowl until I got COVID. Um, yeah, but, um, you know, that was it, the only bad thing at the Orange Bowl. Uh, that's exactly the, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, 
and you know, just to get to be able to do this stuff, it's just you know, it's a dream come true. It really is. Um, you know, I'm, I, I, you know, I was uh, in the in the outside the locker room uh, in Indy, and I'm thinking to myself, like, how did I get this lucky? And I feel that way all the time that I get to serve this university and this community in this in this way. I'm happy for you as a friend of yours. I can't even imagine. I mean, I got psyched. When Jack Evelyn sent me a text saying "great show" one night, and I mean Jack, I just like I grew up like listening to Jack Evelyn. It's right. like you know, maybe you can like Jack or not. I've always liked him, and uh, to get a text like Jack Evelyn's watching my show, like what the fuck? Like that was it was just <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it's like, the hell. Like, yeah, thanks, Jack. Like I mean, a, but I mean, you're that times a thousand. So. It's it's you know when I got it, it last fall, I got to uh, I got to you know Coach Harbaugh asked me if I wanted to address the team. And I saw it. I cannot tell you. First of all, you can give a thousand speeches in your life. There's nothing like that. No, I mean, there's no. These guys have heard everything, right? There's nothing you can say to them that they, they haven't heard from. You some did a coach. good job, though. You're Thank bringing you. in like the privilege of playing. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. It was and, a good and, joy, and and I talked a lot about joy. Yes. Um, and you know, I just I get so much joy from seeing not just our student athletes, but our students. You know, get to come to our school and love our school and graduate from our school. I mean, uh, the best day of being a regent is not any football game. It's commencement. Um, you know, be up there when you see our students who love this place get to, you know, get their degree, there's nothing quite like it. Um, and I, I've heard that from Mary Sue Coleman before, um, and I get it to experience it and stand up on the stage. It's There's nothing quite like it, um, and it, it's just an incredible honor. It really is. Well, it was an incredible honor to have you here, Jordan. I, I, I give you a lot of credit for coming. I told you up front, you know, we were going to talk about some of the yeah. more difficult stuff, and you did not care. I know you got some crap publicly for doing the show. No, you're not the first person that that's happened no. to. But it's actually you're you were like in the rule. It's the exception to not get a hard time to come here. So yeah, yeah, you have a, yeah. You have a lot of company. That's a crowded room of people that get a hard time for coming on this show. So it's like <laughs> that's true. People will text me like, why don't they, why do these people hate you so much? Like I'm getting these texts. I mean, these people are, are right uh, tweets and stuff. So yeah, yeah I appreciate you gotta ignore the haters. That's yeah. how it works. Well, I, I don't. There's there's too many for me. There's I have so many that they kind of like they can't all get through the door. They get they right, all get stuck. Right. They just sit out in the in the living room yeah, over so, here. Yeah, none get through. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they're they're stuck in out there right. by Cassius's uh, shorts on the wall. <laughs> so but I know I, I look. I know it's it even though despite the relationship, it's tough for you to come here under these circumstances with the stuff going on. Some of it's lighter. Some of it is heavier. Obviously. So I appreciate you coming. I will say, I think that school that I begrudgingly respect is lucky to have you as Thank much you. as you feel lucky to be up there. Uh, you're a great guy, smart guy, and they, they are seriously lucky to have you, man. Well, Justin, thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. I can't believe it's been, what, two hours at this point? It flew by. I thought it was going to be an hour, but you're, I know. you're an engaging guy. I know. You know, it's a lot of fun, and, you know, I hope uh, – I hope I, I did you proud and I hope I did the university proud today. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm lucky, I will say, uh, the thing that makes it possible for me to do this kind of job and to do this is having the support of my family and especially my wife. Um, you know, you know it too. That like, oh, yeah. if you don't have that, like, it's impossible to do the job. And, you know, I... I uh, uh, it wouldn't be appropriate for me to stop without shouting her out and and my daughters out who who miss their daddy sometimes, but they get ultimately um, allow me to serve and you know and and come on and spend a couple hours on a Friday night missing my brisket to uh, 
to I, be with I you. I got man. a short walk to my brisket. My mine's <sighs> ten ten stairs to the right up there. I know. So. You see, I got enough here. Yeah, you can hear, you can hear my kids. I don't know if it's coming through the mic. If Jordan and I can hear my kids running around the oh, kitchen yeah. above our heads. Oh, yeah. So I'm gonna go join them. Uh, thank your wife for us. I will for letting us have some of your precious time and. Look, I'd love to have you back. I hope the fallout isn't too bad for you. You know, some people get it worse than others, but I always say I don't think we're that bad, man. I think we're pretty fair. And so I'll, I'll do you this, okay? Yeah. And you can t- tell us to Brian Masalam who's going to watch this clip. All right, Brian. Brian and I are going to do the show together before the Michigan-Michigan State game this year. Love it. I'm in. Wait, which one? The basketball one on March 1st? Uh, no, no, the football game. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I was going to say, I got two weeks to figure that one yeah, out. Yeah, no, I got right. that kind of time. Uh, all right. I can't bring you back that fast. So. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm bummed that you did such a good job. I was kind of hoping you'd fumble all over yourself and humiliate your... Your, have, uh, your trouble with the snap? Yeah, is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, I was yeah. hoping you would botch the whole thing, but uh, like most Wolverines, you're pretty smart. But, so, yeah. I mean, Coming in this room and this house as a Wolverine gives you major PTSD. It's like every horrendous moment <laughs> yeah, of my sporting yeah. fandom is somewhere on this wall. So. I know. Well, I, I try to ramp it up for the Michigan fans, too. Like I, I make sure it. all the lights are on, uh, you know, illuminating Paul over there in the corner. <laughs> so, yeah, people joke I'm going to have to put, like, because – People said I have to take them down, the Paul Bunyan Trophy, if Michigan lose, Michigan State loses, which at some point they will, whether it's this year or next year or whatever. Yeah. And I said, I'm not going to take him down. He's too cool. But I might put like a yellow blindfold over his eyes or something. Oh, yeah. I got to modify. We'll work on that hopefully in yeah. 2029 or something. <laughs> so Ben Augusta, the great and powerful Oz on the other side of the curtain. I I gave him 17 pieces of media to cut together in like an hour and a half. It was record time. Thank you to him. I'm not thanking you, Eric, because you didn't do anything because you're in Florida. So, Eric, I love you, but you didn't do anything this time, so you don't get thanked. But uh, thanks to the audience. Jordan Acker, who took all the arrows and said, I don't care, I'm coming anyway. Jordan Acker, University of Michigan, uh, chair of the Board of Regents. Appreciate you, man. Thank thanks, you. buddy. Uh, screw it, Avenue. We'll see you next time.